0: I want you to join me if you would in the book of first Kings chapter 19 and uh, I love this chapter because um, this is this is uh, right after the Lord had spoken to the prophet Elijah and uh, Elijah, after three years of a drought, he lifts up his voice and he said, "I hear the sound of an abundance of rain and he sends his servant and he tells him, "Go again seven times and uh, if I was preaching that tonight, I, I'd sure enjoy it. I've preached it a lot through the years. That sometimes you have to keep going back, even when you don't see an answer. And uh, it it is truly a powerful, powerful chapter. That finally the servant came back and he said, "I see a cloud, and it's it's like." He didn't say it was the size. He said it's it's like. He said, "I I see a cloud. It's like a man's hand," and then the very next thing that you find is after the abundance of rain when we get into the 19th chapter is that Elijah is having to escape from Jezebel why am I telling you that? because I've come to help somebody tonight and tell you that you're never going to have a breakthrough in your life that there's not a fight coming on the other side of that breakthrough and you got to make up your mind right now That your breakthrough is not your destination. Some of you are fighting right now and you're saying, God, if I could just get through this. If I could just get through this. Listen, don't settle your heart for just saying, if I can get through this, I'll be all right. No, if I get through this, I'm going to be hell's worst nightmare. Because I'm not going to just get through this and then quit fighting. I'm going to get through this and keep on fighting and keep on pushing and when jezebel pushes back i'm going to push back even harder amen i'm going to do it and so the lord came the lord came uh to elijah in a cave and and he asked him he said what are you what are you doing in here why why are you hiding in here and so um elijah kind of um he kind of cries to the lord a little bit and uh he he lets him know you know i'm I'm just in here because I'm the only one that's left and he sucks his thumb a little bit and plays a little little sappy game with the Lord and I I guess I'm the only one that's holding fast to truth anymore I'm I'm the only one that cares anymore and the Lord spoke to him right there in that cave and said get up from here son he said I have 7,000 prophets that have never even bowed a knee you're not by yourself so listen When you've heard from God and the heavens have opened, just wait. Jezebel's going to run her crazy mouth again. It's going to happen. And then you're going to feel that discouragement. But just know this. You're never alone. God is with you. God is fighting with you. Amen. And so where I want to preach to you from tonight, uh, and and it's taken me a second to get there. I know you've been standing, and and I have too. So uh, we're just going to hang out on our feet together for a minute, if that's okay. Um, I want to pick up from this idea in the latter part of the chapter, in verse 19 of chapter 19, 1 Kings. And I want to tell you that the, the, it's amazing to me how this works. We go from a victory, the heavens being opened, the abundance of rain, to having to run from that Jezebel woman to hiding in a cave. And the Lord says, get up, there's prophets. And the very next thing that the Lord leads him to do in the 19th verse is to invest in the future. Okay. So he departed thence, and he found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him, and he with the twelfth. And Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said let me I pray thee kiss my father and my mother and then I will follow thee and he said unto him go back again for what have I done to thee and he returned back from him he took a yoke of oxen and he slew them and he boiled their flesh with the instruments with the plows that he was using And he gave unto the people, and they did eat. Then he arose, and he went after Elijah and ministered unto him. Then he ministered unto Elijah. I love it. Amen. Let us pray together right now. Could we do that? Master, I honor your great name, and I praise you tonight for what you're doing. I praise you tonight, Lord Jesus, for how you're working in this church. I pray that you would speak to somebody in this place tonight, Father. I have felt your hand touch me today. I believe, Lord Jesus, that you have a word for us in this house tonight. And I want you to help me help somebody. If you would, Lord Jesus, help me to help somebody in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And may the Lord richly bless you. You may be seated tonight in Jesus' mighty name. Turn to your neighbor tonight and tell him, I'm sure glad you came to church. Ha <laughs> I love being in the house of the Lord, and I love seeing what God can do with a bunch of people that come together with their mind made up, amen. I feel like, I feel like tough people are a dying breed, amen. I've never seen anything like some of the weak people in our society today, but God's looking for a few good men and a few good women. That'll square up your shoulders and get tough. And when it gets tough, what you're going through, you just get tougher. Can I say it like that? That's bad English. But it don't matter how tough it gets, you just get tougher. And when the fight gets hot, you just get hotter. And when the enemy starts pushing, you just push harder than you've ever pushed in your life. Listen, I believe God has raised up some people at FPC that just don't have any quit in you. I believe I'm fighting with some people that are like Dodo's boy. You'll fight till your hand cleaves to the sword. It don't matter. You're just going to fight and you're going to work. And I'm going to tell you what I believe tonight. I've settled it in my heart that God has given us people in this church right now that are going to be found busy when the Lord comes back. Amen. He's going to come back and find some people that are working hard for the kingdom of God. Amen. And I honor you for that tonight. I thank the Lord for faithful, faithful people. That just keep on working in the kingdom of God. This, uh, as I as I led into tonight, the story uh, that I want to preach to you from, I began with a little bit uh, of just the understanding of kind of the context of where we were in the story, which I think is always important. I always want to be certain that the context of what we're preaching is crystal clear. Uh, context is one of the most important words that you will ever ever hear or use. When it comes to studying the scripture. You can piece together doctrines if you want to. Uh, but you have to remove scripture out of context. And when you start moving things out of context. Then it takes the limits off. It's kind of like philosophy in university now. They're, they, they can teach it however they want to. Because there's no limits. There's really no context to philosophy. And philosophers have come to the place. Um, where they, they can philosophize about whatever they want to because it just don't matter. And, and if they're wrong, then, then when they die, they say, oh, such and such was a philosopher. And I, I made up my mind the other day um, when we were up in Wisconsin. There was bad weather that was supposed to come. And the weather was supposed to move in at like 3 o'clock and then 4 o'clock and then 5 o'clock. And ultimately, we went to bed that night. And uh, it was like 10.30 or 11 o'clock before the storm moved in. So the next day, the talk of, of the town was the weather and all that. And I told somebody, I said, look, here's the deal. I, I made up my mind. I either want to be a philosopher or a weatherman. Because if you're a philosopher, really, I mean, you can say whatever you want. Just be as stupid, say whatever. Just, th- this is my philosophy, and, uh, and somebody will buy it. And somebody will believe it. And if you want to be a weatherman, I mean... Uh, it's a it's a great place to start if you just enjoy taking a guess at things and say, uh, well tomorrow there's a 50% chance of rain. Well, that's about any day in the year. I think if I was a weatherman, I'd just wake up every morning and say there's a 50% chance. Because there's 50% chance you're right and there's a 50% chance you're wrong. And I told the group of people that I'm with they weren't they weren't uh, Christian people as apostolic whatever people and. And I just told him, I said, I think I missed my calling because as a preacher, if you misquote a scripture, all right. people hang you up by your toenails. Yeah. And they won't come back yeah. if you say something they don't like. But you can, lie, you can say the weather's coming at 3 o'clock and they'll watch their phones and watch you all day long. Say, well, now the weather has moved till 11 o'clock. You may miss it by 10,000 miles and they're going to turn that crazy hell box on every day and watch the weather. Isn't that something but context is vitally important when you're reading the scripture you can't just you can't just jump in the middle of something and say this is what the scripture said and, and then walk on with it and there's really uh, I'm not trying to be too slow here but uh, I always want to be helping somebody while I'm preaching too. and I, and I want to help young preachers to understand that nitpick preaching is ne- is never healthy it's never healthy to just pick a little something out and preach it and stand on that. It's actually dangerous. When you start grabbing little things, I want to be able to stand on a solid foundation and say, I know what I'm saying, I know what I'm preaching, and I know what I'm believing. I was in a conversation one day with a, with a man, and we were talking scripture, and and uh, he said to me, uh, I, we were talking about a particular subject. He was a, an, an older man of God, and we were we were talking, and, and I read one portion of the Scripture, and he said, See, there you go. Stop right there. I said, Okay, I stopped. He said, Listen to what it says. Say it again. So I said it again. He said, See, that settles it. And I said, No, elder, it don't settle it. That's not the end of the Scripture. That's not the context of the Scripture. He said, In this case, it don't matter. Just Stop with what it said. And I said, Okay, well, I'm going back to FPC this Sunday, and I'm rebaptizing everybody in the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. He looked at me like I was an idiot. He said, you can't do that. I said, why can't I? He said, you can't do that. I said, why? He said, well, because, and then he caught himself. Because it's out of context. Listen to what I'm telling you right now. The context matters. And, and, and I'm going to preach to you tonight for just a little while. I don't know how long I'm be, but I'm going to help somebody in this place tonight. I'm looking for some young people in this generation that are not going to sit back and wait on our elders and those that have uh, served the Lord for many years to be the first to lead in worship. They're not going to wait for our elders to be the ones to lead in prayer. I'm looking for some young people that can seek God without iPod in your ear. So the context of what I'm preaching to you tonight is that the Lord leads Elijah to another generation of prophetic succession. Why did he do that? Because Elijah is in a season now where his ministry is coming to an end. But the Lord needs another generation of Jezebel slayers, Jezebel haters, Jezebel despisers. Oh my, my, my. This might be a little tough here for just a little while tonight. And so the Lord leads Elijah to understand, I need somebody that can follow after your ministry that I can do something through. And here's the way I'm going to do it. The first thing I need you to do is get up out of this cave. Realize you are not alone. But if all the prophets die in the world if the seven thousand that have never bowed a knee if all of them die that's not your problem but what is your problem is if there's not another generation that knows how to believe what you believe and knows how to speak what you're speaking so i need you elijah to get up out of this cave and go find another generation to pour yourself into can i preach a little bit on sunday night I might just drop down into third gear and climb the hill for a minute. Come on. There is a serious problem that must be dealt with. I feel like it's been an elephant in the room all of my life. And that is the generational crossover somehow that there's, there's a breakdown. And I don't understand. I really don't understand it of how it is that every generation feels like they found the new key to Revival. And it's like they have watched other people that have compromised And they've seen the road that it led them on But when God gives them the opportunity to lead It's like they would absolutely be so out of touch with culture If they had to say the same thing that the old elders had to say Now I know that's just awful isn't it it's an awful thing to have to be like the old man it's just terrible just just an awful thing to be like the old guy because after a while the problem is the young guys that don't want to be the like the old guys they become the old guys but they don't have the wisdom and succession of the elders anointing that's on them because they've tried to pave their own way hey I want to tell you something tonight elders speak it louder than you've ever spoken it. live it louder than you've ever lived it I want you to live your holy life I want you to live out loud I want you to be worshipers I want you to be praisers I thank God for people that may not be able to run the aisle anymore but you won't make them sit down they may not be able to run but they're still going to tap their feet and they're still going to clap their hands i thank god for elders that are willing to show us the way i i I, want to interject something here if i can tonight i I get worried sometimes i get worried sometimes and and i'm not picking on young people uh, because i'm trying to raise some but i want to tell you i get i get worried sometimes uh, as to what would happen, and I know I'm not supposed to worry, but what would happen if the Lord were to allow there to be a dying off too quickly? Can I say that without sounding too dark? I sat down with folks in the past and we've had conversations about the age of some elders in Pentecost and some of the folks even in this local assembly, and like what would what would happen if, and God forbid, but if we just woke up one morning, and every person over a certain age was just gone, and our, our young generation had to stand on their own, what would it look like? But, be, but the interesting thing is, when you have elders that are willing to vacillate on what they, they believe and what they've always preached and what they've always taught, because they don't want to be labeled as the old preacher that's just always trying to keep his thumb on the young preachers. And so now they want to get a following of more, and this word drives me insane, but of a more relevant, cutting edge ministry in, in this age that we're in. And so they start manipulating things that have always identified us. Listen, uh, I, it makes me so sad when I hear of apostolic by, by their sign, maybe. That's if they haven't changed their name to something hocus pocus. Why in the world are people so ashamed to be labeled apostolic? I'm not being critical. I'm just being inquisitive. I don't know what it is about people wanting to take apostolic and Pentecostal out of their identity. And it saddens my heart when I see people that start manipulating and changing things. And like, well, we're, we're not going to dance anymore. We're, we're not, we're not going to be real, real public and expressive with our worship. And, and I want you to be very, very careful. Now if the Lord really, really moves, then then you can speak in tongues. But I I don't I don't really want you speaking in tongues out loud. And we don't want tongues and interpretation in the church anymore. And we don't want the gifts of the Spirit flowing anymore. And we don't want the prophetic flowing anymore. And so eventually what we're wrapping ourselves up into is we're saying it's all right to just be a social club, but to do it in Jesus' name. And so I'm just going to tell you that as long as there's breath in my body and as long as there's breath in your bishop's body, this will always be an apostolic, dancing, shouting, tongue-talking, aisle-running. Hey, I'm telling you right now, I don't want to have church like a TV evangelist. I want this to be an atmosphere where lives are changed, where people are healed, delivered, set free. I, I want you to follow the logic with me, if you would, okay? Is this all right? I just want you to follow the logic with me, if you would, that we take away the things that have made us powerful in order to become more relevant But what people are really looking for is not what made us relevant. It's what made us powerful. Did did I say that too fast? You can't remove yourself from the staple identity of apostolic Christendom and then feel like you've made yourself more relevant and then stand around and wonder why in the world people are leaving the same way that they've came in. I'm sorry, I will never be a participator in the class that we teach people how to speak in tongues and then tell them they got the Holy Ghost. I still believe that when you've repented of your sins, you will be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, and I won't have to teach you how to talk in tongues. Oh, my, my. The Bible does not say that they began to speak in other tongues as the elders gave the utterance. I wish Brother Lang was here tonight. He could verify this and tell you it's true. But there was a story that he used to tell about a man down in southern Indiana where he was from. Apparently was a part of a a different kind of movement. I don't even know what to call it. And the man was teaching, apparently, from what I understand, about the troubling of the waters. And so he, he got one of those little blue swimming pools that you can get at Wally World. He put it down in front of his pulpit and filled it up with water, put some water in it. And he said, If anybody in here needs a healing in your body, he said, You come stand in this swimming pool and say, Hilimo Hatasha Chantilly Lace. If he were here right now, he'd be nodding his head. Brother, it's, tr- it's true, brother. Can you imagine? And I- I'm not making fun of the Holy Ghost. But could you imagine us telling people, come on, just come up here and say la, 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 until, until you say something different? I used to hear people just say hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. That's not getting the Holy Ghost. I'm going to tell you what I believe. We've proven it now by science. But I'm going to tell you what I believe by Scripture and what I believe by the evidence in my life and what I believe by the people that I've seen get the Holy Ghost. I'm going to tell you what I believe. I believe that you're going to be praying. You're going to get everything out of your life. You're going to repent of who you were. You're going to become a new creature that's ready to serve God. You're going to empty your vessel out of the old man. And then God's going to fill your vessel with the Spirit of the living God. And when you open up your mouth and you begin to speak, it's not going to be a language that I can teach you and it's not going to be a language that somebody can impart to you it's going to be the Holy Ghost making utterance through you and you will speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance I believe that Removing what people want, so we can call ourselves relevant. Can I just say that I love people putting on their best when they come to be for with the King? Somebody asked me uh, like uh, some time ago. They're like, "Why? Why do you guys dress up at church?" Well, I dress up. I dress up if I. Was, going to meet the president or the king of a nation and i don't dress up so everybody else can see the kind of clothes i wear i dress up because i'm coming in the presence of a king and i don't care what your best is i really don't listen this is not about how much you can afford whatever your best is you need to give god your best I don't shine my shoes so people will compliment them. I don't tie my tie so people will compliment I do it because I know who I'm coming to see. I know who I'm coming to worship. And I want to be a generation of people that say, God, you deserve my best. Pastor, why are you doing this? Well, I'm glad you brought it up. I'm going to tell you something, folks. Listen, Listen to what I'm telling you. I'm not... I'm not here to beat a dead horse, but I'm going to tell you something that I have noticed. And if I'm wrong, I'll stand corrected in the presence of God. But there is a spirit behind casual Christianity. There is a spirit behind this age that we're living in right now that tries to make all the things of God common ground. And we have biblical precedent that the presence of God is never to be common to us. If you don't believe that, then you need to go back and read what happens when a man tries to steady the ark of God when it's on a cart that it shouldn't be on. And so we get... A new generation that thinks we need a new cart, a new way to move it, a new way to do it. And we start removing things. Well, Pastor, those are just sacred cows. I'm going to tell you something about sacred cows. Brother Snow could probably tell you about sacred cows. Holy cow. Oh, Lord. I'm going to tell you about sacred cows in the church. There's some things that I'm just simply not willing to relinquish. And, and, and I want to tell you, it doesn't have to be a heaven or hell. I'm so sick of that conversation. I am. I'm just being honest. I'm so sick of that conversation. So, so you're saying if I do that, then I, I'm going to go to hell. No. No. If you've sat under my ministry at all, then you have understood through my preaching and my teaching that this relationship with God was never about going to heaven. Never. This was never just about Get us out of here and escape us out of this. That is escape theology that we're looking for the Lord to lift us out of our trouble and get us out of here. He's looking for somebody that's not just worried about where they're going to go when they die. He's looking for somebody that's worried about how they're going to live for him while they're still alive well pastor don't you want to go to heaven oh I give everything I've got and I'm willing to do that I plan on going to heaven but while I'm here right now I don't plan on sitting around just count the days till heaven shows up I plan on living for God I plan on dancing I plan on shouting I plan on having good church I plan on seeing the dead raised I plan on seeing the blind eyes open and the deaf to hear the lame to walk and the dumb to talk Let me preach to you I'm not gonna be here real, real long tonight so what we have transpiring here is that we got a prophet that's coming to the end of his ministry and the Lord knows that he knows all things and the Lord has seen the stand that he's taken the Lord has seen his discouragement and he's raised him up to let him know you're not alone in this fight and so now He's sending him to find somebody for prophetic succession that's going to follow in his footsteps. Somebody say, Speak the, Speak the same thing. Boy, if you've ever read 1 Corinthians, the first chapter, I'd recommend just go back and read it again. Yes, we need that table in Pentecost. And I've said that to the, to the top leaders of the top organizations in our movement. We need that table. In our movement, again, where we can sit down at a table and speak the same thing and be of the same mind and the same judgment. I am so tired of fickle doctrine. I'm so tired of vacillation, people going back and forth. And and, and I, I I shouldn't get sidetracked here, but there's got to be something deeper to this than just finishing a class and then you're, you're just... I finished my class, so now I can be used of God. You want to finish, Bishop? Pretty sure there's watermelon juice all up here. I'm dropping the old melon. Good God, man. Are we apostolic or not? It's like you just complete these four membership classes, and then we'll put you in a Sunday school class. I'm sorry, but me and Brother Haney don't feel that way. We, we still believe in this church that we need holy people that are going to impart to our children. I want apostolic Sunday school teachers that are apost- apostolic from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. That are, that are willing to lay hands on those children, pray the prayer of faith, pray them through the Holy Ghost in their Sunday school room, talk them into Bible studies, baptize them in Jesus name. God have mercy. We need it. somebody shout, "I'm apostolic!" Woo. So anyhow, that was free. And so what we've got is we've got a young man. Come here, Eli. He's just going about his business. Now, here's all I need you to do, buddy. I want you to act like you're, you're a strong dude. So I want you to act like you've got a plow of oxen in front of you. And I just want you to go right back and forth in this part right here. Would you do that? Just you know, get them. Go, go at it. Get, there you go. Lazy bum. Let's go. I'm going to start. There you go. Come on. Let them, you drive him, suckers. Don't you let them drag you around like that. Come on, make them jokers work. Yeah, stay in the the boundaries. We still believe in those here too. (laughs) Man, I'm preaching all kinds of good stuff. You just left half the field undone over here, son. (laughs) Brother Russell, you're a way better farmer than that. You do to love me, right? You better. And so, thank you. Stay in the boundaries. So we got a, a young man that's just going about his business, just working, staying busy. I, I I need somebody that ironed your shirt, so it's okay if you take your jacket off. That's kind of embarrassing. Can, can you? T- is that okay if I? Can I do that? Can I just borrow your jacket? You stop my worker. See, hey, let me preach to you. That's the way the devil does. When you're sowing in the field, he puts big things in front of you. I'm preaching, man. You just help me preach. Brother Snow, you may have to bail me out of this. And so the prophet of God is is walking along. And, baby, will you come help me real quick? You're not going to be a prophet, so don't get excited. Hanging in the house Well I just saw your mother's face That's a big yes That is one big boy right there You're not that big And so The prophet of God is on a mission Yes babe that's it thank you The prophet of God is on a mission He's on a mission from God For prophetic Secession I need somebody that can take what God's been doing in me and multiply it. Man, I wish I could preach right now. But I've never found it ironic whatsoever that the young man that God puts the eye of the prophet on is a boy that has put himself in the field and he's walking with oxen. Because we, uh, man, I'm about to preach heavy right here. Lazy people don't deserve mantles. You don't deserve a mantle by standing around saying, I've been called. I know I'm going to be a preacher i know god's going to do great things to me mantles only come to people that aren't looking for mantles they're fulfilling the job that their father asked them to do I want to tell you that Elijah did not send a telegram to Elisha and say, act like you're busy until the mantle comes. God chose a man that was busy working before he ever knew the mantle was coming his way. Can I just break it down and preach it to tell you? Elisha wasn't waiting on a pulpit. Elisha wasn't waiting on a travel trailer and a full evangelist schedule. He was just doing the will of his father in the field. I just—I hope these numbers are right. My wife can get me pretty close. I just read the other day a pastor's wife made, made a post that they had sent, I think it's nine kids from their church to Bible college. Is that right? Nine or ten? Nineteen. Sent 19 kids if it's wrong. I was going safe, baby. Nevertheless, 19. No, don't worry about it right now. We'll make it sound as evangelistic as we can. Nevertheless, they had sent a large number of kids from their church to Bible college to invest in their ministries for them to come back to the field and work in that field. You're doing so good. Don't you quit. Not one of those students, out of the not one, after that pastor invested in them, and invested seed in them, went to Bible college and came back home to work. Every one of them pursued a full-time paid position in a church, somewhere where they could be paid to go work. I sent a kid one time to Bible college, we invested financially in them, sent him. came home for a break and he said, I'll come home right now for 400 a week and three weeks paid vacation. I said, would you like the world on a string sitting on a rainbow as well? (laughs) Young people, listen to pastor. Listen to me. Before you start jumping out and telling God how bad you need a wife or a husband. Before you start jumping out there and telling God how great of opportunity you're going to be for somebody. You just need to know that heaven takes attention to how people hold plows before he lets them handle mantles. I want you to know, and I'm not trying to embarrass anybody, that we have incredible people in this church that have had opportunities outside of this church, In the last few days, one of our ministers in this church received the opportunity to work full-time at another church, probably the greatest opportunity that he's ever heard or received in his life. He sent me a text the next day and said, this is where my heart is. This is where I'm going to be. I'm going to stay here and work in the kingdom of God. Listen, this is not about control. And I believe in sending people. I do. I believe in sending people. I believe in, but understand me when I tell you, you won't go pick up a plow somewhere else just because they'll pay you to do it. If you won't pick up a plow in the kingdom of God and work right now, <laughs> Adam, I had a man come in my office one day. Are you getting tired? Are you okay? You're good? Okay. You're good looking, right? Is that what you said? You're good looking. <laughs> I had a man come to my office one day and he said, "Uh, I've been praying and fasting and God has sent me to such and such place. Because I can do more in the kingdom of God there. I said, okay, what are you going to do? He said, well, for one, I'm going to teach Bible studies. I said, how many of you taught here? Uh Well, none. I said, well, then just do, do me a favor. Just go on over there, but don't blame God for it. Y'all think I'm being ugly? I really wasn't. I was being sweet. I said, let's not blame God for our desires. That's it. I love you deeply, and I bless you to go and do whatever you need to do. I bless you to go. But let's not blame God. Because a change of landscape doesn't make me busy being busy makes me busy man if I could ever preach to those big conferences I'd win thousands of people I'm just gonna tell y'all something. Bishop can testify to this that preaching to thousands of people sounds a lot more fun than it is when your whole conference is run and they put you on the last night and you want to puke for three solid days now, it's a thrill when it's over. I'm going to tell, tell you something, church. Something has happened in Pentecost that people aspire to position more than they do kingdom posture. And I'm going to get down where we're living right here. And we'll let the people who are paid staff Dig in and go after the work. And I thank God for, for, for everything we do. I thank God for big outreach events and all that. But I'm just curious tonight if there's anybody in this church that prayed through because of a block party. Anybody? Do we have anybody in this church that was converted over a block party? Anybody? How many do we have in this place that were converted when you came by personal invitation? And connected yourself to this church through a person. You came. Really. Are you seeing the difference? This is about loving people. This is not about how big of a church we can build. It's an indictment against us. When the church is not growing. And we're not going. The indictment against us is that we're not reaching and we're not teaching. I, 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 don't, I don't know, I, I don't know what, it, what it looks like to build a church off of just feeding the poor because I believe in feeding the poor. But there's something about the language. Bishop spoke about it tonight and he didn't know what I was preaching. But it's, it's amazing to me how that our movement, how much we preach about harvest it's nonstop. I mean, even particular ministries that we've had in Pentecost through the years are about harvest time. Harvest, harvest. It's all about harvest, harvest, harvest. Do you know what it looks like before harvest? That's it. Gotta get to it. People, just like this right here, that's right. There's not paying attention to one thing y'all are doing right now. He's walking back and forth with this plow. And he's turning that thing when he gets to the end. When he comes back the other way, he just keeps on working. Listen, it's really, really hard to discourage busy people. It's really, really hard to offend people that are praying people through to the Holy Ghost and sharing the Word of God with people. Jesus never one time, look in your Bible, never one time told us to pray for harvest. He told us to pray for labors. That the harvest was already ready. So. I know this was goofy. People didn't like slogans. But I remember. I'm going to talk like the old men. I remember each one. Reach one in 91. Remember. Each one. one. Reach one in 91. Man, we had it together then. We got our banners done, a little vinyl print. It would have made Jordan Fry crawl under the table and suck his thumb probably. <laughs> if you would have seen what our banners looked like in, the, in Pentecost in the 80s. I remember those great big building a better you banners. The greatest churches in Pentecost had the ugliest vinyl banners. They looked cool at the time. Now we get all that screen printed, Bishop. Oh, it is slick as snot on a doorknob. We got it. But I want to reach back into 91 and talk to you for a minute. I have never seen anything that changes the heart of a Christian like making disciples ever This woman right here is one of the greatest soul winners I've ever met in my life. You are. And the enemy fights soul winners. But we look at this world and we think how in the world are we how are we going to do this? And so we start giving to missions. And I want that bishop we got to. I can't wait till we, we look in our records and it's been a million dollar year. And that's, that's not the goal. That's a target. This church has never even come close to a million dollars worth of income in a year. So I can't wait till it's a million of outgo. It's going to be awesome, Brother McLean. And I believe you'll get to see it. <laughs> But I'm going to tell you the danger. Can I just can I be me for a minute? Can I be real? I'm going to tell you the danger of how our motto has shifted. We've gone from each one reach one to each one give one. Because it costs less to just throw a buck in the bucket and say go give this to a missionary who's willing to go overseas and dig people out. How do you think missionaries win people? They sit down in a coffee shop in the middle of Europe and beg God for one person that knows how to speak English. And they sit down with that person that speaks English and they say, what are you doing here? I just moved my family here to be missionaries. I'm starting a church here in town. Oh, where's your church? I don't have one yet. Church, listen to what I'm telling you. Before we had padded pew chairs, air-conditioned sound systems, they were going house to house. Right. And to the temple daily to pray. I cannot imagine what would happen at FPC. I know each one reach each one sounds good. But I cannot imagine what would happen if just 25 people yeah. would make up in there. 25 people. Would make up in their mind right now, tonight, before pastor's done preaching, you'd make up in your mind that before the end of this year, I will teach one home Bible study, 25 people. I'm going to teach one on Bible study. And I want to tell you why. Because usually it's not just each one or each one. Whenever you start that Bible study, there's going to be two or three and they're going to get excited and bring four or five in. I'm going to tell you what would happen. We would expedite the coming of the Lord. And the Lord would come back a lot quicker after his church because we're not begging heaven to come anymore. We're taking heaven to people. Oh, my, my. It's not that boring, is it? Bible studies, they're not bo- that boring, are they, Austin? No. We've been doing one together. It's not that boring. I'm not that bad of a teacher, am I? You'll keep coming back. <laughs> I told him the other, other day, and I'm not trying to embarrass him. I told him the other day, I said, let me tell you why I, why I want to teach you. Because this thing's going to get a hold of you. Yes, sir. And I said, you're about to take what I'm teaching you, and you're going to start teaching people, and you're going to start. It's gonna, hey, this is how this thing works. And I want you to know tonight. I still believe in you, and I still believe God's got his hand on you, and I still believe you're one of hell's worst nightmares. I still believe that, and I believe some of you that are quiet, and and, and you're sitting back, and I can't do that. Oh, yes, you can. It amazes you what you can do with a cup of coffee and just loving somebody. You okay? You getting tired? Well, that's good. We need some young men that won't get tired. So hear me when I tell you that the prophet of God comes walking by and you understand what I'm saying to you. This generation has more distractions than any gen I've ever seen. I'm, I'm just being honest. I've never seen so many distractions in my life. And the problem is that with a lot of distractions, it's not just young people. We got full grown adults. They'd rather spend their time playing a PlayStation. Yeah. Ryan, yeah. You will have to bail me out, Brother Horner. Yeah. <laughs> I, do, I don't understand. I, I don't understand lazy people. I just don't. I wasn't raised to be lazy. I, 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 does anybody in here know what Becky's beads are? <laughs> Nobody? When I was a boy, I hadn't even had a good day of playing outside unless I came in and had Becky's beads on my arms and back of my neck. It's them little dirt things you get where you've been sweating outside. My mom would say, Ooh, baby, you got Becky's beads on the back of your neck. I don't know what they're really called, but they're little dirty sweat things where kids sweat. Listen, I'm just telling you, we need our kids to get busy again. I'm just, are, you, are you, help, you with me, Brother Gray? you going to help me on this a little bit? It would be an absolute treacherous, horrible thing if you had to respond to your friends three hours later because you didn't have your phone in front of your face every time they text you. How would it transform your life? If you turned that crazy thing off and said, my phone is in the car or my phone is turned off, you and I are going to sit down for an hour and I'm going to teach you a Bible study. And when you finally respond an hour and a half later to your friend and they say, why did it take you so long to respond? You can say, sorry, I was teaching a Bible study and I didn't have my phone with me. something is happening in the undercurrent of this church and i believe that there is a spirit in the undercurrent of this church that looks just like this dark handsome boy right here that's walking in front of these people I believe that there are people in this church from the youngest to the oldest that have a mind to work like we have never had before and you listen to me tonight church I'm telling you that God is desiring to use this local assembly to usher in the harvest like we have never seen before but we're not going to see it when we stand by waiting on a mantle. This language is so powerful. Everybody doing okay? I'm about done. Because he never looks up. He keeps on working. Can you give me that verse tonight, Brother Wendell? So, as Elijah passed by him, What's this mean? It means that Elijah has been watching what this boy's doing. And he sees this ain't no lazy boy right here. This is somebody right here that I believe could do a little work. And he watches him and studies him for a minute. And then he says, I just want to try a dress rehearsal. And I want to see what this generation can do with a dress rehearsal. So let me just tell you right now, elders, we need to start trusting this generation with a little dress rehearsal every now and then and actually believe in them and tell them, we believe you're going to do great things for God. And the Bible said that Elijah watched that boy and he came walking by him. And when he did, the scripture said that as Elijah passed by him, that he cast his mantle upon him. Go to the next verse for me. It said at that moment, he left the oxen. You can leave the oxen right there if you want to, Eli. And he ran after Elijah. Elijah. he ran after elijah and he said this feels so good right now i don't want this to be addressed i want to know what is this that i'm feeling what is this old time power what is this that you just laid on me i've come tonight to fpc to lay some things on some young people and let you know it feels good to be old-fashioned it feels good to be apostolic I thank God that Elijah didn't go get a new mantle with sequins on it. That was pretty and leathered up and that holes in its jeans and said try this he took that old mantle that had carried him through the dark nights that had carried him through caves that had carried him through droughts it was that same mantle that he had on when he heard the sound of abundance of rain it was that same mantle that he had on when the heavens closed up this old time power is what this generation needs they need an old mantle If we want our young people to shout, let's show them how to shout. If we want them to dance, let's show them how to. (laughs) I'm just telling you. I don't want no new mantles falling on my kids. I'm sorry. If you're St. Clair, I want you to start following him. I just want you to come on, St. Clair girls. I can pick on my kids. I was talking about the young ones. I mean younger than us, baby. Listen. I'm just being honest. Come on, you walk with me. Me and my wife have talked about this many times. There's some things and some people that we don't want pouring into our kids. I'm sorry, but not everything that calls itself Christian music. That is not Christian music. I want my kids to not be unfamiliar when we walk into a service and somebody play. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Oh! It's one thing to write a song about a name; it's another thing to know the name. us yeah. so would we know what to do if somebody got him, God is Elohim of all the holy prophets. He's the El Shaddai. He's a mighty. Of all the sacred pages. Y'all hear that? It's all in him. It's all in him. The fullness of the Godhead. Oh, it's all yes, it's all. The mighty God is Jesus, Jesus and it's all in Him. Here's what I'm telling you tonight. Forgive me if I sound ugly, but I'm tired. Oh, God. I'm tired of having to pray off mantles off of our kids that we've let the world throw on them. and said, we're sufficient enough to teach them and they'll be okay. We can let them go to a dance and they'll be all right. We'll control our kids. You think you will. They're going to wear a mantle from somewhere. But I want the mantle that falls on my kids to be a mantle that's tried and proven? By the time Elisha felt that mantle, that mantle had already learned how to handle Jezebel. Is it any wonder that Jezebel is running our kids half to death when their mantle doesn't know how to deal with her? feels like be up in here there's something generational happening that God's using people in this church I, 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 I feel that Holy Ghost funnel that people are going to begin pouring themselves out and it's gonna start dripping on some of these kids listen I'm gonna tell you right now my desire is it from is for my kids to write doctrinal songs to write doctrinal Bible studies to teach those things, to pour them out and I don't want my kids getting involved. Forgive me if I sound like I'm being ugly but I want to tell you I don't want my kids involved with something that started by a creed or started by a council. I want my kids to know who the one true living God is and I want them to be able to rightfully expound the word of truth. This is a dress rehearsal. Now, I, I, y'all stay. You're all right. Just stay right there. You, you can keep walking, whatever you want to do. Y'all stay right there. I don't want you breaking your ankles. Now, listen, I, 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 don't, I don't like this part because it's hard. It's hard for me to deal with. And, 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 I, and I was a little bit troubled about whether or not to kind of preach this or not. But it's important. It's important without delay to be sure this is in somebody tonight. Because the scripture said, in, in 2 Kings, the second chapter. And it came to pass when the Lord would take Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. He went with him. Put your hand right here on his shoulder. We're about to go somewhere, but I'm not going by myself. I'm going to take you with me. Elijah said unto Elisha. Now you got a me with the story right here for just a second. He said you stay right here I pray the Lord has sent me to Bethel. Uh-huh. And Elisha said unto him. Can you read that back there? And Elisha said unto him As the Lord giveth and as thy soul liveth I will not leave thee. What? As the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth I'm not going to leave you. So they, I love this, they went down to Bethel. And then came the sons of the prophets. But then came this uncomfortable moment, Brother Snow, when this whirlwind came down from heaven. And it lifted up this man of God that had fought devils had prophesied the word of God yes. but his tenure had come to a close and the Bible said "You see this one right here the Bible said that as Elijah disappeared out from the sight of Elisha that out of the heavens the only thing that was left was a mantle and the next thing that Elisha had to do was to take the mantle that got them to where they were it was that mantle that allowed them to cross the river and it's going to be that mantle that gets him back I want to tell you I've been struggling a little bit because I've had my hand on too many shoulders over the last little while that have disappeared while I was walking with them. I don't like it. I've been following after people. And I look up and I I think they ought to be there for me to ask them questions. They're gone, Sister Horner driving down the road the other day and I got to talking like my papa my girls were laughing and I asked the Lord my mom, when he died I said please God don't ever let me forget what his voice sound like okay. <laughs> right. but you hear me when I tell you oh. there's some things that these old men are leaving behind that if somebody don't pick it up. I'm, just, I'm, 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 I'm reaching for you right here. I preach a little bit of this admissions conference. But some of us have taught our kids when times get tough, just start building a bridge to get back across. But I'm reaching for some young person tonight to tell you, put your tools away. It's time for God to do a supernatural work in this generation. Elisha did not build a bridge to get across he didn't start cutting down trees and looking for a way to cross that river he reached down and got that mantle that fell from heaven and he said i wore it one time before and i felt it during the dress rehearsal but right now i've got to believe that if it got me and the elder here it'll get me back across If you're in this house tonight and you love this apostolic way and you don't want to be anything but what we are, I just want you to lift those hands towards heaven right now. something is happening in this room right now when some of you lifted your hands you begin to feel the glory of god the weight of god rest on you The Lord, for just a moment, right here. Come on, let's reach for heaven with all we got. From our musicians to the sound booth, right now, I just want us to all reach for heaven right now. Let's do it. This is a pivotal moment, a shift in the Holy Ghost right now.